Welcome back to the Crossings Podcast. This sermon is from Andy Youngblood, and it is part two of four in this special series from The Forge. Please enjoy. Good morning, Men of Forge 2023. I really wanted to always say, good morning, Vietnam! <laughs> we changed it a little bit for uh, our Forge group this morning. Um, my name is Andy. Uh, a little bit about myself. Um, I don't talk. How's that? Y'all hear me better that way? Go. 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 Um, I married my high school sweetheart in 1991, so this August we will have been married 32 years. Um, we have, we have uh, God has blessed us with two wonderful kids. And uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, I've been known to shed a tear especially when I'm speaking of the things of God, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll be all right, though. I'll be all right, though. So, um, and those two kids have, have grown up into wonderful people, and they are adding to our family. Uh, both of them have brought a beautiful, another beautiful daughter and another beautiful son into our families, and our son and his beautiful wife are uh, giving us a grandson uh, come April. So I'm, I'm going to be a granddad come April. Um, Oh, it is good to talk to men. Uh, you know, there's just some things that you couldn't, you can't, or maybe shouldn't uh, talk to uh, to women about or with. And I'll just tell you, especially you young guys that are maybe just getting married or not married, uh, I, I'm around cows all the time. Uh, know a lot about cows, been around cows all my life. So I tend to make comparisons, you know. <laughs> And my wife eventually got tired of that. And just so you know, that is doubly bad if she's pregnant. You just don't, there's just some places I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, you just don't need to go there. I, was, I got to be on a livestock judging contest when I, a team when I was in college. And we were, I went to a little college, and we had the opportunity to go to the big show, or one of the big shows. We were at the Louisiana State Fair. And uh, one of my, my teammates, he, uh, we, the judging was done, and we got back together. We were shop, swapping notes and stuff. And I said, Jason, how'd it go? He said, man, that class three was tough. He said, I could see it in my head. I knew how to place it. I placed it, and I placed it right, according to the judge. I could feel it. I could, I could almost live it because he knew cows too. But he said, I just couldn't put it into words. I couldn't tell the judge why I placed that class two, four, three, one. I knew why, but I just couldn't speak it. And guys, that's, uh, that's how I find myself this morning. I've lived what I'm going to talk to you about. Uh, and in my head, it all makes sense. And in my head, I've got just the right words that you need to hear. But I, I pray that I can speak that in a way that you'll get it and in a way that it'll make sense and a way you'll understand it. Um, those of you who know me uh, know me well. You know I I can chase a rabbit. I can, I can veer off course. And I wasn't going to do that this morning because I got my notes up here, right? But this one time, at least, I've got to because 
uh, and it pertains, uh, there's a story I'm going to tell you here in a little bit that we've, we've talked about quite a bit frequently. Um, first time I heard it was actually here at Forge 2019. First time I understood it, rather. Uh, you know, I always wonder, I, I know, I, and I'm going to talk about God giving you the victory this morning, and I know He will, and I believe that, and I know He's faithful, and He'll never leave us nor forsake us, but will He do that for me? And this morning, uh, and this is how it ties back into one of the stories I'm going to tell here in a minute, is it in our battle, and if we lift it up to Him and give it to Him and worship and praise, and we're going to talk about some ways to do that here in a little bit, it becomes His. As a matter of fact, it was always His anyway. But He showed me that this morning. Guys, whether you know it or not, there's a battle going on here. There's a battle. And we prayed this morning, and I hope you all have, that the Lord rebuke the enemy, but there is always a battle going on. There is always a battle going on. But God has shown me this morning, and part of the battle in my circumstance, my way, because I'm nervous standing up here. But he told me, hey, it's going to be all right because uh, it's mine. It's mine anyway. So I've got a question for you. Have you come this morning seeking? Have you come expecting? Because part of that battle falls upon y'all. I, uh, I, I expect, I've come to Forge this year... And guys, this is, I guess this is uh, my fifth year to be here, and it just gets better every year, and I've learned to come to expect greater things every year. And man, I don't know if you could see it last night, but the Spirit was moving in this room, and He's moving this morning. Uh, can we pray real quick? Yes. Father, we just come to you this morning, and uh, uh, we lift this time before you, and Father, uh, ask that you... Uh, Holy Spirit, that you speak through me this morning, that you uh, you prepare the hearts of the men here, and uh, I'm your vessel this morning, and I pray it be all about you and nothing about me this morning, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> I have a story about uh, how God redeemed me, and how he, how he saved me, and how He brought me about, but it's not one of those cool stories that we like to hear. And we're going to share some more of those here in a little bit. But I grew up in church. I grew up in church. Mama dragged me kicking and screaming sometimes. And I'm grateful that she did. But every Sunday she had me there. My dad, uh, I'm, I'm the youngest of nine kids. My dad was 51 when I was born. Um, before I was born, he was actually a Sunday school teacher. But by the time I came along, he had, he had left the church and never returned. I have, uh, of those nine siblings, all three of my sisters are Jehovah's Witness. Uh, one brother, my brother just older than me, is Jehovah's Witness also. So I grew up in a house divided. Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, when everybody got at mom and dad's house, they're going to be a spiritual fight. It just, uh, it just was going to happen. Uh, and, and it finally just completely divided the family to where uh, pretty much nobody came to mom and dad's house on Sunday afternoon. Um, Trace and I, as we, uh, like I said, we, we started dating in high school, high school sweet, sweethearts, and she had a similar background as I, church background. You know, she went to church a little bit like I did, and, and as we dated, we, we went to church most Sundays to check that box off. We 
we, we showed up there to check that box off and uh, you know our parents like to see us there and stuff and but it wasn't until we married that something changed and God began to move in, in our lives and and one of the main things contributing factors I believe to this day uh, that has shaped uh, not only our lives but I believe the lives of our kids as well was just a simple commitment we made when we first got married and started going to church and that simple commitment was that we were going to gather with the saints somewhere wherever they were meeting every Sunday and in any time we could and that didn't matter if you were sick you better be in the hospital to be sick to miss church and I don't say that but out of out of a uh, you know, being law, you know, the, that was just something I felt like the Lord, I wanted to be exposed to it. I wanted my kids to be exposed to it. You know, I knew He had a plan. I didn't know what it was yet, but I knew He had a plan. And I think that, thing, that decision right there has influenced, certainly influenced me, and I think it's influenced our kids as well. Um, I'm not very techy. I'm not techy at all. Uh, and I'm flipping two pages here, and uh, uh, Nathan, I'll try to let you know on, on the slides, but uh, uh, I'm not very techy. Um, there's a song that, uh, I, that's come out recently that I like, and, and this is, I say this as kind of a warning to you guys, especially new believers, that uh, that battle that's going on, the enemy's out there, and he's always going to tell you that you don't deserve what Jesus did for you on the cross. And he's right. I don't. But he did it anyway. And he'd do it again. So don't let the enemy beat you up with that, that you don't deserve that. Just Hey, if you need to, just realize that. And it's okay, because we don't deserve what he did for us on the cross, but he did it anyway. And we're going to talk more about that. That's just, yeah, grace and mercy and his love, and that's what he is. Um, I want to talk to you about uh, standing this morning. And one, one uh, we're going through the book of Joshua, or we're talking about Joshua, and I want to tell you, talk to you a little bit how I see that Joshua stood. Nathan, could you hit that first, first slide? Uh, and this will be uh, Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. Children, Moses had been leading the children of Israel through the desert. They were, they'd got to the river. They were about to go across. God had promised them this place, right? And what I found interesting, I didn't even remember God commissioned this spy trip. And you know, you know, there begs the question, you know, God knows all, he knows beginning to end, he knew what the end result was going to be, but nonetheless, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about that, God commissioned this spy trip. So they sent 12 disciples, or 12 uh, spies into the promised land, uh, a leader of one of each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and they go back, and Moses told them, said, go here, there, and you know, he told them where to go, check it out. See what, what kind of crops they grow. Uh, are the people great or strong? Are their cities big or small? So they did all that. Anybody in here like grapes? 
I had to read this a couple times, and that can't be right, but they got a cluster of grapes, a cluster of grapes that it took, they hung it on a pole and it took two men to carry it back to show it to the children of Israel. I don't know if these were little bitty grapes or I don't know if they were bowling ball grapes, but nonetheless, that was a big cluster of grapes. So, anyway, um, next, uh, okay, thank you. <laughs> now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness, wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So the people saw this. They saw these grapes. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron. And then they, t- yeah. Then they told him and said, "We went to the land where you send us. It truly flows with milk and honey." See, God had told them it's a land flowing of milk and honey. It truly is. And this is the fruit. Check out these grapes, guys. Nevertheless, now these are the twelve. Sp- uh, actually, these we'll find out in a moment that these are ten of the twelve spies that they're giving them this report. At this point right here. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land, they're strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said... Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. You know, and there, there's a point right there. You know, and there were giants. And we were, I learned, heard stories and read, they were big people. They were giants. And that is a very true statement right there. They are stronger than we. We'll talk in a minute, but how quickly we forget what God has done for us in the past and where He had delivered and that He had promised, I will be with you. Next slide. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Next slide. There there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their, their sight. These guys were pretty big. These guys were pretty big. And ten of these twelve spies had this report. They're too strong for us. We can't do it. Caleb and Joshua were the two of the twelve that, let's claim God's promise. Let's go in. He is, he is fighting for us. It's not us to be fighting anyway. But they had quickly forgotten what God had done for them. They say Joshua was one of the ones that wanted to follow the people, wanted to follow God's promise, His command to go in and possess the land. They had given it to them. He didn't say they weren't going to have to fight to get it. That so much applies to things in our lives, guys, that... that you know, when God speaks something to you, and, and He came that we might have abundant life. 
We're going to talk about something here in a minute that I can assure you wasn't abundant life, but I knew he had come for that. I knew that he had come that I might have that, but I would have to fight for it. That's what the children of Israel were facing here, but they were scared. They wanted to go back to Egypt even. Why? Crying, crying the most. They wanted to go back to be slaves in Egypt where they'd come from. They forgot that God had parted the Red Sea, they walked across on dry ground, that he had destroyed the Egyptian army as they tried to pursue them. And at one point when Joshua stepped up to speak, can we go, Nathan, can we go to that Numbers 14? Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all of the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. You know, and that... I'm still trying to figure that one out, that verse. I felt like they should have been doing what Joshua and Caleb were doing here in this, in this next verse. But they were prostrating themselves in front of the people, children of Israel. They were Moses and Aaron. Aaron was God's chosen high priest. But when the people were upset and said, let's go back to Egypt. Why'd you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Let's just go back and be slaves in Egypt. We'll be better there. We can't take on these giants. They have fortified cities. Uh, the wall of Jericho, I hope I'm not taking too much away from somebody else's story, but you know how thick, and I don't know exactly how thick it was, but they raced chariots on top of that wall. And I've heard as many as possibly seven wide chariot races down there. But it, to have a race, it had to be at least two wide. Um, so anyway, it's pretty, pretty wide. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jeff, yeah, <laughs> who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they talked a little more, and there were a few verses that passed, but, and all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Okay, let's make sure we got this. Twelve spies went into the land. They came back, gave a cool report of what they had found, but the people are too strong for us. We can't, their cities are fortified. We can't take them out. Even though God said he'd help us, we still can't do it. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go in and possess the land. He's given it to us. Let's go in and claim it. But the congregation was so swayed that when they stood up and tried to get the people to pursue God's promise, let's kill them. Let's kill them. And that plays into very much of what I'm going to talk about here in a minute about him standing. Um, Which is, the last verse, I wanted to leave that there because uh, it was like to me, God's, okay, that's enough. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. At that point, he was always there, but he made his presence known at that point. And there were some verses, I didn't put them up here, but he was ready to kill them all. He was just ready to wipe them off and start over with Moses again. And Moses prayed, asked him, said, you know, and he, he pleaded his cause or their cause and, and persuaded God not to. But they were sentenced to 40 years of wandering in the desert. And that was simply so that generation, everybody 20 years and older, would die off. 
and the kids that they were worried about if they had gone into the promised land, the giants eating or whatever or killing, they're the ones that receive the blessing. You know, God works in opposite world, upside down world all the time. But what I want you to see here, though, is Joshua's character and what he did. Joshua knew what God wanted for him. Joshua knew that it was the Lord's battle, not theirs. Joshua knew in their own battle they couldn't take, take that land. There were giants there. Thank you, Sam. Yet, knowing that, knowing that he, he wasn't doing or the people weren't doing what God wanted them to do, he wanted to, knowing their sentence of wandering for 40 years. And, look, you know, the whole time, you know, I think things were going on that they weren't following God. But rather than go out and do his own thing, because he, he knew God wanted the group to go in. Rather than go out and doing his own thing, he stood with the people, even though they weren't following God, even though I think he, he, he wasn't seeing God move in his life. Because that's what God wanted, right? He wanted, he wanted the people to go in and possess the land. And I believe, you know, to a certain extent, he was standing with leaders who weren't fully following what God wanted them to do. You know, it's not, it's not only in the Bible that we can see examples of people standing. You know, whether you realize it or not, because of that battle that's going on, you make a choice on a regular basis whether you're going to stand or not. I want to share with you, uh, uh, hopefully briefly, uh, something that I had opportunity to, sh- to stand with and for. Um, of my nine siblings, uh, we in general are a pretty anxious, anxious bunch. Uh, in 2011, that changed in my life. I started dealing with anxiety like never before. And some, in your, some of you in the room can relate to this and understand it, but it's one of those things that you can't really explain and you don't understand if you hadn't been there. But understand me this, that if you've dealt with it, of what I call a full-blown attack of anxiety, it ain't no fun. It's uh, to the point where having me curled up in a puddle on the floor, um, one of the things I dealt with was I always wanted to be in my safe place which for me, that was home, which was cool. Um, I was irritable. I was paranoid. Things that I normally could make a decision that I knew quickly, I couldn't make a decision. I was always questioning Tracy, bless her heart, to the point, you know this, stop asking me those questions. But they, I could not make a decision. No ambition, no drive to do anything. And I live and work on a farm, and that's not a good combination right there, just in and of itself, because I'm usually running behind anyway. 
maybe one of the worst symptoms is I was so self-absorbed that I couldn't see the problems others were dealing with. Oh, you had a car wreck and lost your arm? <laughs> I got this anxiety deal I'm working with, so you can suck it. I don't see that. That's a little extreme, but it, that's not far off the mark. That's not far off the mark. And that applied to family, friends, whatever. Two thousand eleven was my first episode, uh, and and each time that I dealt with an episode, and I've had four or what I call major episodes in my life. Uh, each time, God showed me new things. But real quickly, He showed me uh, to cry out to Him. And God's a big God; He can handle you hollering at Him. And my holler was, what are you trying to show me? What do you want from me? And a paraphrase of Romans 12, 2 was my go-to. And I, I said those things I just said in this probably hundreds of times a day. Transform and renew my mind. Because it's an issue of the mind. And I need it to be, needed it to be worked over. And I can tell you a lot of stuff about that. I've learned a lot about uh, anxiety and depression and its effect on the mind. But... Um, but he also, as he brought me out of each episode, he would reveal to me what he wanted. He was faithful to not only deliver me, but he was faithful to show me what he wanted from me, what he desired in my life to see in my life. And it wasn't for, his, for him. It was for me. It was for me. But in 2011, as he brought me out of it, guys, my, I love to work. I love to farm. I'm a born, I was a born farmer. Um, to the point that it was my obsession. It was my obsession. And that was the first revelation to him of what I needed to change in my life was, dude, your priorities are way off. I believe they should be faith family work. Mine were exactly opposite of that. Mine were work. And, and family and, and faith fell w way down. So he revealed that to me. And he showed me, you, you know, my desire for you is you get that back. You get that in a little better order. I'm not a real quick study. So in about 2012, I got to do it again. Things changed a little bit, a little bit, I hope. And 2015 came along. And kicked my butt. That was the longest, hardest duration. Um, that one, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know if I was going to survive that one. Um, but he is faithful. And he brought me out of it. The fourth, and praise God, the final... Uh, and it's something uh, I deal with, and guys, I, I believe if you deal with anxiety, it's something you've always got to be on guard against. Uh, but he, thank, praise God, he's given me some tools to help deal with that. Uh, 2019, and maybe this should be almost, maybe a warning, I don't know, but my last episode was uh, probably not much more than a week, two weeks at the most, after I left Forge 2019, the very first Forge I came to. met Jason Parnell at that. I think I hope I've shared you this. <laughs> um, met Jason at that forge. Um, 
And uh, man, I was on a mountaintop when I left Forge 2019. Saw Jason uh, at the co-op in Mina, which was odd. I never saw him before there. Uh, met him here at Forge. And he and I were sharing, and I was telling him, I said, man, I'm on a mountaintop right now. And I don't know, maybe it was prophetic. But he said, uh, just remember, Valley's Cannon will come. And brother, it wasn't a week later I crashed. I crashed, and I knew it the morning that I woke up. One of those symptoms uh, that reminds me of one of the symptoms I didn't mention a while ago is I was blessed that in my anxiety I could sleep pretty good, but my alarm clock in the morning was my heart. I, it started to race, and I, I wasn't awake, but that's what woke me up. My heart was beginning to race, and that's what woke me up in the morning. Um, that... Uh, after uh, 20, 20, uh, the 2019 uh, crash then. But what was cool about that one was uh, what God showed me as I came out of that one. Uh, and actually, he revealed it through uh, my wife as she was doing her, her morning quiet time. We were both doing her quiet times that morning. And uh, she said, what, are the, what do you think about uh, a support group for folks that deal with this? And I said, I don't know. I said, let's pray about that. And that's where the Hope Circle was born. Uh, God revealed, hey, there are a lot of folks that deal with that. And that is something that I found as I shared with others, which so happens to be a, a method of healing, sharing with others. There's a lot of folks that deal with anxiety and depression. Uh, but uh, there's, there was a definite need for a support group, I believe. Uh, and anyway, that's... Uh, That was a, 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 a big blessing and a revelation of uh, what he, when he delivered me my last time from it. Uh, Matthew, could you come up here? Um, shared with you uh, one method, and I hope you got a picture of that, and I'd be glad to talk to anybody afterwards about... I see standing in a couple different ways. I see standing in where we are standing, just taking a position... Following God, continuing to follow God, follow God, even if you're not seeing move, Him moving in your life. Even if those around you are not following Him. Just standing firm and being still and waiting on Him to move. The other way I see standing is just literally standing against temptation and sin. Um, first time I remember seeing Matthew, it was actually your backside. It was, uh, <laughs> didn't know it was you until I read your name, but is there, can we use another mic? Can we borrow another mic? Um, it was Circle Sunday 2021. Tracy and I had left our table for a minute. I guess we had a slow time, and we'd gone to visit with somebody at a table next door. And I turned around, and I see this dude walk, putting a pen down and walking away from the table. And it, it was crowded there, so I lost him pretty quick. I was, you know, here to the back of the room from him. Lost him. And in the back of my mind thinking, I probably don't need to approach him because he may have been waiting on us to leave so he could come up and sign the, the sheet anyway. I don't know. I've never asked Matthew about that. But he did leave his name and number on that sheet. And uh, I want to... Matthew, I've t and I've told him this before, he's an inspiration to me. And I believe he's an inspiration to others. 
and I want him to share a little bit. And I'm just going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to interview Matthew this morning because I believe he, part of his testimony you need to hear. Um, it, it just continues to inspire me. And Matthew, thank you. Thank you for, uh, this is Matthew Murphy. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> how do you, how do you know him? Uh, uh, Matthew, would you tell us uh, a little bit about your life before the recovery center? Well, it was, uh, you know, growing up in uh, Southern California, you know, it was uh, in the early 90s, was, you know, it was a rough time, you know, where we didn't have any, any food or, you know, a lot of times we sat in a dark house because no electricity or something, but we were in just rough neighborhood, so we kind of learned to be pretty tough, you know, and had to scrounge and fight for every little thing we had, you know. We, uh, you know, digging dumpsters to get food and this and this, but... For the, you know, growing in those tough areas, you know, got in a lot of trouble, a lot of crime and stuff. I think I was a, about 11 years old for strong arm robbery and went to jail for, you know, about eight, nine months or something. But, you know, it started to depend a lot on drugs and alcohol because that was like my escape to get away from a lot of things that were going on. So I started doing a lot of, you know, meth and stuff in you know, high school and, and you know, early high school and then... Uh, a lot of drinking and really getting a lot of um, into a lot of that stuff because it was kind of, uh, you know, when you're around a bunch of people doing drugs and drinking, you know, we were all in a bad position. So it doesn't, you know, kind of, you know, would, um, you know, I'd forget that, I, you know, whatever life I was struggling with and whatever's going on would just kind of, you know, disappear a little bit while I was really on drugs and really drinking. But after, you know, a while that kind of took over everything where everything I did was all around drugs or drinking and then later on I got in a, a car wreck when I was drinking so they sent me to prison for a few years and then I got wrapped up in gangs and you know and trying to you know I wanted to be accepted so bad so I got wrapped up in that so then I ended up going back to prison quite a few times because just more violent and crazy stuff you know, that would be before, you know, before I went into the recovery home, you know, so by the time then I was a pretty big wreck. And how many, and how many years did uh, meth, alcohol, opiates, how many, about how many years? About 25 years, you know, on, on meth quite a bit and alcohol, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, but I, you know, I was raised, you know, my mom went to church too, you know, so I knew a lot about the thing, but I would didn't. You know, I was so messed up from the way we were, life was that, you know, I know that's, <laughs> I seen things about God, but I never really accepted too much of it because it was a lot easier just to get high, a lot easier to get drunk. Cause if I get drunk, I wasn't poor. Everybody's poor and you're drunk. You know, there's a lot of things that were, would just blend away when I was like that. How'd you wind up at the recovery center? Well, there was a, a, a moment where I was in a 7-Eleven parking lot, you know, about five years before that, I was, that's where I was, I would panhandle and get beer or, or drug money, you know, I'd sit there for about five years where I'd sit there every day and get enough to drink and, you know, try to get a fix or I can stop the shakes or whatever. But one day I got up and I tripped over a parking curb and I hit my face on the ground and at the same time I threw up, so I was 
I had blood and throw up all over me, and I was trying to fix a broken cigarette. And in the middle of it, you know, I said, Lord, I, I give up now. You know, I'm, I'm had enough, you know, and I closed my eyes and I made a bunch of demands. What I wanted, you know, that's the only way I would feel. But when I opened my eyes, there was a big light in my face. It was the biggest light, you know. But then what it was was actually the next morning, but some guys were throwing me out of a van in front of a recovery home that was four hours away. And then they just drove away, and I, you know, I got up, and it, it took a little while for me to go into the home. I was processing maybe it was an accident or they don't know who I didn't know who they were or what their point was or why they were there or any of that. But I decided to, you know, it took me a long time, but I decided, you know, I'm going to walk in there and give it a try. But it was, um, you know, if you're looking for a sign, that was <laughs> that was a pretty good one, you know. Because I, I knew that the withdrawals are going to be pretty hard. Because withdrawing one or another is tough, but when you have to withdraw all of them, that was a hard time. And because of that, uh, or maybe partly because of that, how did you dress for bed for about three months? Well, you know, I figured that I can never change because I never I haven't changed. You know, I couldn't be right. I was so messed up from my life that I couldn't change. So I'd put a suit and tie on and, and dress shoes, and I would polish him a little bit, and I would just pray the Lord to die every night. Now, now understand, he went to bed like that <laughs> with the suit and tie and dress shoes on. You know, for about, you know, three or four months, I would, every night, I would just beg him, Lord, please just take me to heaven, because I couldn't change. I can't, there's no way I could be a different person. I've been that way for so long. There was not a, it wasn't possible. Well, I think that we've talked about that a little bit already. He, he, Matthew was exactly right. In his own strength, he couldn't do that. But praise God for some men. And that's why I wanted you to understand why, how he got this, because uh, some men gathered him up and took him to the recovery home. Um, so, uh, life after. Uh, uh, does temptation ever strike? Do you ever have an urge? Uh, uh, alcohol, drugs, uh, and if so, how do you deal with that? Well, you know, the devil is tricky. He tries some dumb ideas, you know. But the problem was, is the devil, you know, in my life, in my world, the time in the world, it made me a very stubborn and hard-headed individual. And but when you, you go through so many drug areas where you can't trust nobody and you're always thinking of, you know, someone's going to get over on you. You know, but the Lord has found a way to apply that in his purpose, you know, to where, you know, like, yo, you ain't getting me today. You know, like I have a, fr a friend in the old days called uh, Be Right Back, Charlie. He never came back, but he'd always say, I'll be right back. But, you know, all those schemes that I've learned over the years, you know, the devil tried that s stuff on me. But... You know, I've been almost nine years without any drinking or drugs or cigarettes or anything. But I'm really well aware of his schemes and his attempts after me. You know, that I'm, you know, 
He has to, you know, he's going to step his game up every day, but, I mean, so do I. Come on. You know, and really trying to, you know, like I, I've been through a lot, and it was hard. It wasn't an easy change. It wasn't I just, you know, that was a very tough thing to do, and I don't want to do it twice. You know. <laughs> That's why I was telling somebody yesterday that, you know, I can dodge traffic, but I don't play in the street. You know what I mean? You know, there's some things I just stay away from. And Matthew is also raising his baby girl in Hatso since birth on his own. That's right. So, right. And worries, I think he's getting a little bit better about it, but used to worry about how terrible of a job he was doing, but uh, doing a great job, great job. Was she, uh, you know, when you're struggling in all kinds of things, you may not understand the purpose of it. You know, I would not have known that I was going to save this little kid's life. Because her mom was like, I'm getting an abortion. It's over. There's no other way. And I said, I will raise her by myself. But I was just thinking that when she saw the baby, she'd change her mind. You know, but I was, somehow the Lord has used that little girl to, you know, do a lot, and really, like, I've become a different person, you know, a whole different thing, you know, and it, if I think back how the withdrawals are terrible, or even suicidal thoughts, or struggling, or the, even the anxiety, where I can't breathe, or I'm gonna, all that stuff, but knowing that God used my stubborn self to make sure that little girl got a chance to Amen. learn how to walk, or... You know, to learn her colors or to play with something or have little friends. And it's like, you know what? You know, I'm talking about standing, you know? It was hard, but I mean, the reward that the Lord will give you is so tremendous. It's like, you know, the devil's going to throw a lot of things at me. But the reward that the Lord has given me in my heart, the devil better step it up, you know, because it, like, there is there's no pain, no gain. There's gain, you know, in it, for sure. Do you have a, uh, uh, do you have a, uh, a go-to verse that you well, uh, recite most days? Yeah, well, in the morning before I leave, you know, I like to quote Isaiah 45, 2 and 3. It says, I will go before you, and I will level the mountains, and I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I'll give you the hidden treasures, the riches stored in secret places. So you may know that I'm the Lord, the God of Israel, that summons me by name. Thank you. Thank you for giving Matthew a hand. Hopefully you now you understand why I want y'all to hear that. Well, you know, uh, the Father gives us a lot of weapons to do battle in this life that's ongoing all the time. And for me, uh, probably the greatest weapon that he has shown me is worship. Um. And that is probably fitting because worship, I've heard it described as, 
it puts us all, it, first of all, it's the only, only thing that we have to offer that's fit for a king, period. But what's cool about it to me is it puts us all on a level playing field. It doesn't matter what color your skin is, where you live, how much money you got, or how old you are. We, when it comes to worship, are on a level playing field to begin with, anyway. We are all on a level playing field, and I love that. And I think it's probably why that's one of my greatest, greatest weapons. I want to share with you a few things that I've learned. You know, a lot of times when I thought about worship, I thought about, well, that's just simply when we're, we're singing praise songs and, and worship in that manner. But, you know, there's a lot of ways to worship. And some of them, I mean, I might have been doing them, but I, I guess I'd never seen them as worship before. And I want to share with you a few of those. You know, it's probably an ever good thing when you get out of uh, realizing your notes you're way ahead or way behind, and that just happens, so hopefully I'm in the correct spot. But um, I know I've, uh, I've skipped a verse, but uh, uh, Nathan, if you will, um, I found, and this actually, I, this was, I was wanting to share this with you actually before Matthew came up. This was another go-to verse of mine in my fight to stand, First Peter 5, 6-11, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's where I failed when uh, Forge 2019, that's what God showed me when, when, the, when anxiety hit. You haven't been doing this. You haven't been being sober and being vigilant and keeping in the Word and keeping growing. You thought you were done at Forge. And I wasn't. That was just a, be- a good beginning. Resist Him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, perfect establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. That was uh, another, go-to, another go-to for me. Uh, and there's a lot of worship in that right here. But let's look at a few examples of worship. Nathan, if you will. Uh, yeah, worship is, uh, is all that we have to offer that is fit for a king, and it puts us all on a level playing field because... It is reflective of our heart condition, not our money we have, where we live, what color our skin. It's a reflection of our heart. Um, Do you have... uh, Go to the next slide, Nathan. Okay. Worship the Lord of music. We know that one, you know, and if you don't, you know, if you have opportunity, it doesn't have to be on Sunday, just on Sunday morning when you do that. Uh, The verse uh, uh, that was up just a minute ago was a familiar passage, and Victor talked about the other day, a few weeks ago on Sunday, and I didn't know it, but Chris spoke about it last night even, but it was in my notes, so I think it's probably worth sharing. Uh, Nathan, if you will back up to that. I'll real, go real quickly over that, but um, go one more back. One more. 
advance one. Okay. Um, this is when the, the three armies were coming against Jehoshaphat when he was the, the preacher. And, and as Victor mentioned the other day, that he had 1.8 million, they estimate that he had 1.8 million foot soldiers. And the three armies that were gathering against them struck fear in him still. So I don't know how many they had, but they had a bunch. They were gathered together. He had called a feast. Uh, and uh, uh, a guy in the crowd, I forget his name, started with a J. He said, listen, all of you Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, O King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is yours, is not yours, but is God's. Next slide. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, not, do not fear nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Here was the key. Here was the key. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Hallelujah. You know what? These guys didn't even have to lift a sword. Amen. They put, sent the worshipers out in front. They were praising and singing. I'm sure the whole congregation was, all, all the foot soldiers as well, but they never had to lift a sword. That God... God Prove to him, he showed to him the battle is not yours, it's mine. Hallelujah. Trust me, just trust me. Okay, worship the Lord with music. If you have trouble knowing that, if you don't know any songs, just open the book of Psalms. That is the, the book of songs. Next slide. Worship through confession of sin. He died for it. To clear that pathway for, that we might have a better communication. You know, let's worship Him and confess that sin that we have to Him. Worship through prayer and praying Scripture back to Him. Romans 12, 2 was my go-to, and I prayed it to God many times every day. Lord, transform and renew my mind. But that's a form of worship. Certainly prayer and praying Scripture back to the author of it. Next slide. Worship through praise and thanksgiving. Praise is giving Him thanks for who He is. Thanksgiving is giving Him thanks and praise for what He has done. Right. Next slide. Worship the Lord through the Word. Just the reading of the written Word. Bible is an acronym for basic instructions before leaving earth. <laughs> Next slide, please. Worship in silence. That might be the hardest one for me. Because it means more than just sitting there, being not speaking. Silencing your mind. I have learned that although we have an extremely complex creation God has put there, your mind can only think on one thought at a time. There may be millions swirling around back there, but you can only think on one of those at a time. But quieting that, silencing, and that is, that may be my biggest struggle right there. Next slide, please. Worship through giving. Um, God don't want your money. You don't need your money. He wants your heart. I never knew that was a form of worship, but I believe it is. Next slide. Worship through serving. Jesus came to not be served, but to serve. 
Next slide, please. Worship through nature. He created some beautiful stuff out there, and we can thank Him for it, and that's worship, man. Next slide. Worship through the dailiness of life. Lord, I thank you that I got food on my table. I thank you that I've got a roof over my head. I thank you these last few days that I've got a means to heat my house. I thank you for my job. I thank you for what you're doing in my life. That lit in all things. Thank you, Sam. Okay. I better look back here, I think. Just I want to remind you that, yeah, go to the next slide, please, Nathan. Um, not all the time do I see a meaning or what I think to be a meaning in Scripture, but the Lord gave me this a little while back. Um, you know, I think uh, that when we worship, when we enter worship, we should be changed. He wants us to change something. Um, when the people of the land came before the Lord on the appointed feast, whoever enters by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate. And whoever enters by the way of the south gate shall go out by the way of the north gate. He shall not re- return by the way of the gate through which he came, but shall go out through the opposite gate. Guys, when we gather to worship, or when you worship alone, you don't leave the same gate you came in. You don't leave that same way. And that's not on you. That's, that's something he's going to do. I think... Um, we've talked a couple different ways about standing for, for him. One is just standing, just as a reminder, one is standing when uh, you're not seeing him working in your life or and even maybe the others around you are not standing. Another way is standing against temptation in life. Temptation is sin that we all face all the time. So I've got a question for you. Will you stand for him? Yes. When those opportunities come, and they will come, Will you stand for him? Victor said a moment ago that uh, a righteous, or someone said a moment ago, a righteous man uh, may fall seven times and get up. And I don't think seven men, you say when you're done, I'm done with you. Yeah. It's just uh, an example, but when you fall, and you will fall, uh-huh. don't beat yourself. Don't let the enemy beat you up with that, but get, but get back up and go again. Um. I don't know if the worship team comes up, but I'm, I'm getting really close. Um, we were about to start, I guess it would have been sometime in 2021, uh, we were about to start the circle group of hope that, uh, you know, I thought God had told us to start. I'm out in the field all the time, checking cows or whatever. I'm usually by myself during the most days, most of the day, and... So I, cows don't care if I holler or scream or talk or whatever. And so I'm praying out there because the rubber was about to meet the road. We got a class schedule like in just a few days, and I don't know what we're going to do. I, I don't know what I'm going to say.
I've been blessed to hear God what I felt like audibly speak two times in my life. And as I prayed, Lord, what do I speak to these folks? I know they need something. Because I've been there. Next slide, please. It was pretty simple, but it was to the point. But that was what I felt. I heard God say to me, you tell them that I love them. You tell them that I love them. You know, a lot of us as young believers, new believers, we learned, we hear John 3.16 so much and so often, I think we become desensitized to it. He really loves you. And he proved it by John 3.16, but he proves it in so many other ways. We've talked about a few of them today, and one of those is whatever battle you're facing, I don't know what your Goliath is. I know you got one, or if you have, you've either had, have, or going to have a Goliath in your life. Remember that. If you don't take anything away from what I've said today other than that right there, you take that. You take that away and remember that. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the special presentation from the Forge Men's Retreat 2023. If you are interested in looking at some of our other sermons or videos, simply search for Crossing Mina in whatever app you get your podcast from or on youtube.com. Also, we invite you to join us any Sunday morning in Mena, Arkansas at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. See you soon.